Welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. This is Volume 9, Issue 419. Today we are covering Detroit, Become Human. Joining me, Leah Haydu, and Issue 419 are Charlotte Cutts. Hello. And Jay Taylor. Howdy. Noted David Cage enthusiast, Jay Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) So Detroit, Become Human is, uh, as as I alluded to just now, is a, a David Cage game. I'll get into some of the uh, the uh, themes and, and everything uh, as we go through the credits and, and such, but um, you may recognize this particular uh, group of people, Studio Quantic Dream, from um, Indigo Prophecy, which we covered in issue 96 of the Cameron's podcast, Heavy Rain, which we covered in issue 100, and Beyond Two Souls, which was covered in issue 216. So we have followed right along with them. This is the latest release. Um, so if you have not played this or any of those uh, those predecessors, they're all kind of similar in, in the way that you go through. Uh, so it's interactive fiction is the term that I have heard thrown around a lot, uh, which basically means that there is a very heavy focus on the story and, and your choices affecting that story. Kind of a choose-your-own-adventure type of, uh, of set up um so most of what you are going to do is centered on decision making and investigation in some places uh you have some light reactive elements uh like qtes which can become heavier qtes depending on what kind of difficulty you select that doesn't have any effect on the story the difficulty level but uh, your choices absolutely do and they can lead to some uh differences within the storyline that range from very small uh and to characters dying and you carrying on with uh with the story after they are gone so the game is published by sony interactive entertainment america uh developed as i mentioned by quantic dream uh which is a uh second party studio is that uh is that accurate are they completely owned by sony uh no 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 they're completely independent no only okay because i I am honestly not sure about the status of the other games, but I thought that Heavy Rain at least was exclusive to they, the PS4. Yeah, they were. I think they were on a three-game exclusivity deal for PlayStation ah, okay. until after this has been released, and now they've released, or they, they've certainly released uh, the game on PC and stuff, and I think now they mm-hmm. can self, you know, they're free to do whatever they want after this, so both platforms. Okay, cool. So they have uh, traditionally released on the PS4 uh, or on Sony platforms, but uh, not actually a second-party studio. Okay. Uh, And the music is interesting uh, because there are, as we will talk about, three main characters in the game. There is Kara, there's Connor, and there is Marcus. And each of these characters has a separate composer who dealt uh, most heavily with the music for each particular character. Uh, there's Philip Shepard, who was the composer for Kara, Nima Fakara, who uh, composed for Connor, and John Paisano, who composed for Marcus. Uh, and if you do listen to... Uh, we'll, we'll get into the music a little bit more uh, later, but uh, I I really like the musical tracks, but it it kind of... It kind of does something for me where I, I don't notice them as much. It's it's 
I, I, I don't know if that's going to get me yelled at or not, but um, we uh, we'll talk about it more later. But it when you actually do sit down and listen, if you're like me and maybe don't have that that full impact uh, during the game, it you can really hear the differences between uh, these composers and their work for each of those characters, kind of setting up a different feeling for them. Uh, written and directed by David Cage, who is, um, I will say, something of a controversial figure. He has made some comments. I don't. I don't know how heavily we're going to get into this, but he has made some comments about um, some of the uh, creative process uh, coming into some of these games that people have found charitably, <laughs> yeah, charitably questionable, uh, non-charitably uh, problematic. I will say. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we'll. I'm sure that we'll uh, we'll light on some of these things as we discuss the content of the game. Uh, graphic director is Christophe Brousseau. Technical director is Jean-Charles Perrier. And uh, the director of photography is uh, Imeric Montouchet. Uh, it was... Uh, I, I included uh, these particular names, uh, specifically the director of photography here, because it's a, an almost similar setup to the music where they really wanted to have a... Uh, a, a distinct feeling for each of the characters. Um, the director used a thick grain and shaky long lens with shallow depth of field for Kara, small tight grain and a blue palette for Connor and orange and white colors for Marcus. So um, you can not only see or not only hear the, the differences in the music when you are playing as these separate characters, but there is uh, definitely a visual component that sets them each apart as well. Um, and then I have a note here that just says there are a lot of credits for this game, which is very true. Quantic Dream's a big studio um, and, you know, several hundred people worked on this game. Uh, this is by no means all of them. Um, it's just a few of the, the names that, uh, that I wanted to kind of touch on. Uh, if you are interested in reading uh, a little bit more about kind of the setup and, and just kind of the, the volume of people who, who contributed here, uh, then definitely, you know, hop on over to Moby Games or uh, even Wikipedia and uh, check that out as well. Um, the development of this game was long. Uh, there was a tech demo produced by Quantic Dream in 2012. Uh, it's called the Cara demo. You can actually unlock it as um, a bonus feature within uh, Detroit. It is the uh, kind of the first demonstration of this particular technology, and it shows an android uh, being kind of questioned and then taken apart and you know, begging for its life because it it had uh, it had been assembled in a way that kind of gave the impression that it actually did have feelings and it actually did have thoughts that were beyond what it was programmed to have. Uh, voiced by uh, the uh, actress who would eventually uh, voice Kara, Valerie Curry, and um, it was produced on PS3 hardware, so it's not quite the visual fidelity that you would eventually see in Detroit, but it still looks really good. Uh, I, I watched, I'm not sure if they upscaled anything or did anything to it for the, its inclusion uh, as a, an extra in the uh, Detroit disc, but uh, it, it's still very impressive um, the yeah. graphically, um, and you can definitely see how it built into what eventually was released as the game. Yeah, they've done this before, haven't they? Did it mm -hmm. way back with um heavy, before yeah, the heavy rain? With, yeah. Engine is that right? Is was that him? Um, no, no, it wasn't. Um, funnily enough, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the face that was like an older guy. I, no, I there just... was um. So with the, before heavy rain, they had a thing. I don't know if memory serves, it was called the interview, 
and it's basically where you're there's a woman sat at a table and she's it looked like a casting call but then it turns kind of dark towards the end when she pulls mm. a gun but it was it was this sort of precursor before they announced heavy rain but it was mm-hmm. showing the kind of um animation you know the facial animation technology and all that kind of stuff and it was impressive the first time you laid eyes on it because obviously this is before you play the game Mm -hmm. um it's all very kind of wow okay um you know back then it was like so this is what games are going to look like in the future kind of thing (laughs) yeah yeah for sure um the casting extended to Los Angeles, London and Paris in search for more than 250 actors to portray 513 roles. Uh the actors were scanned in 3D and their models were then made into characters. Shooting and animation followed and on the 8th of September 2017, the performance capture was finished after 324 days according to Wikipedia. So this was a big project, you know. It, it that's that's um one of the reasons why you can tell that these characters are by and large moving like people the both the androids and the people and and something that i was curious if uh if you guys thought of um well on this most recent playthrough that i did because i i played it um we'll, we'll talk about our histories in a minute but i i played it previously and then i played it again for the show uh and this time around something that struck me and i'm not sure if this was intentional or not or if it's just me, but it almost seemed like the android characters looked more human, realistic than the human characters. Is that, am I crazy? Did you guys see anything about this as well? No, I didn't. <laughs> gonna, okay, I might no. just be crazy. No. I, uh, my, my, uh, my justification for this was maybe just that you spend more time really looking at the human characters. Um, the one that I noticed this the most on was... Um, uh, Carl, Carl Manfred, uh, played by Lance Henriksen. Uh, and he just, there was something about his face that just didn't quite sit right with me. And I'm not sure exactly what it was. Maybe it was his eyes. Maybe it was just that I've seen Lance Henriksen in so freaking many things that I was, I was, it was an uncanny valley thing, but I never really noticed that with any of the main Android characters. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I think I had the issue where as soon as you start seeing models that are similar to, um, so you see a version of Connor, like the, one of the bad endings is that he gets replaced. Yeah. Um, so then you see like an upgraded version of Connor where the facial features aren't exactly the same. His jawline's a bit different. And I, I kept having those uncanny valley moments like uh, as mm. well when North sees her visual copy and for that that had the opposite effect on me where the ro- the not the robots the androids definitely looked like androids to me because they're some sometimes their faces were also just a little bit too perfect mm-hmm. yeah maybe maybe that was the problem it was that they looked too good <laughs> i i don't know I, I i interpreted it as they probably just spent more time on the the main characters that you're looking at all the time but i that could be wrong that could just be me <laughs> So the game, just to give you a, a little bit of a a uh, perspective on how big this game is. A- again, according to Wikipedia, uh, it has 35,000 camera shots, 74,000 unique animations, and 5.1 million lines of code. Uh, and according to David Cage, the script extended to several thousand pages, uh, which I believe I, there are a lot of dialogue choices. Uh, there are... Uh, many, many paths that you can go down and they show you the paths that you didn't go down uh, in the form of um, just the flowcharts 
that you see at the end of each chapter that kind of show you the path that you took and then every every place else where you could have made a decision that would have led you somewhere different is just blanked out um those get really complicated by the end uh but it's it's interesting and it is uh, I'm sure for for some people they are really going to want to you know go in and see every single uh path that you could have taken Charlotte you, we were talking beforehand um before we started recording and you said that uh your boyfriend on the latest playthrough was was kind of like that really wanted to see all of the paths yeah yeah i mean um i think the branching network really encourages you to go back on different playthroughs and try different things and I've seen mm. that on YouTube, there's a guy who just goes and tries to find the stuff that's marked as 0% of people got them because there's a few items where mm -hmm. when he was playing it, 0% of people went down that branch, for example, just oh, wow. not doing anything at pivotal points seems to be a really mm -hmm. unpopular choice. So <laughs> I would really encourage people to, after they've listened to this recording, go and, on YouTube and, and look up those videos. I forget what the guy is called, but it's really interesting to see um, some of the decisions that well like for example in uh, my boyfriend's playthrough i noticed that some of the stuff was less than 10 percent of people picked it and we were really surprised mm -hmm. because we, we would have thought way more people would have picked it so this function of seeing how many people around the world and how many of your friends did certain things is particularly fascinating i think i quite liked that idea of showing yeah. how like Showing the possibility, it doesn't tell you precisely. It doesn't tell you how things would play it out. It just you just see that there's other paths that could have, other mm -hmm. situations, how stuff could have evolved. I actually really liked that idea. I thought it was yeah, interesting in terms. Of it, it really kind of it made me aware that there was so many variants in each side, each little scenario. There was so many different ways it could have played out, and that kind of made me interested. I. I David Cage is on record as saying that he would prefer it if people only played his game once. But then I thought well, that's kind of crap because you've put this in there, which Why is would you if even anything that? yeah. that's going to make people acutely aware of the variations that are in that one mission, which is more likely to lead to them replaying it differently. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and just knowing that, you know, if I had hit that button press uh more quickly you know something might something else might have happened mm. it doesn't always tell you exactly what the change would have been most of the time you can pretty much figure it out but if it's something like you missed finding you know an, an object in a scene then you know you might not even mm. realize that that was what you were looking for in order to take that second yeah. path so yeah i i actually one of the endings that i got because you you do get endings for each of your characters regardless of how long you keep them alive um I think that Connor will pretty much survive till the end, no mat almost no matter what. I, I don't have proof of that, but I th I think that's the case. Um, but uh, you, <laughs> I can speak to uh, you. Definitely can get other characters killed before the ending, uh, which I did in my first playthrough. Uh, Kara did not survive till the end, um, but this time when I played uh, the ending that I got for one of my characters was only a uh, 3% of people got that ending, which uh, I found really fascinating. So uh, mm. we'll talk a little more specifically about that in a bit, but uh, uh, game released in May of 2018, May 25th. So actually uh, this podcast is going to be releasing on the 25th, right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, um, we did that on purpose. Actually, you guys probably did. Uh, well, if you're uh, Patreon, it will be out on the 25th. If not, yes. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, if you're not, then go over yeah. to our Patreon at <laughs> patreon.com slash Kate and Renz. I'm not supposed to be doing that anymore, but that's okay. Uh, December 12th, 2019 uh, for the PC. So a little over uh, about a year and a half later uh, for the PC. Uh, I think we all played the um, the PS4 version. Did anybody, has anybody actually gotten to play the, the PC version? I imagine it's probably gorgeous. No. 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 Okay. PS4 though. PS4 still looks gorgeous. I think I was looking at my trophies and uh, and such and I think that when I played it for the first time I played it on a base PS4. I don't remember when I got my Pro, but I think it was after this. Um so I I mean I can also say that it still looks really good even on a base PS4. Um beautiful on a Pro, but nice on a PS4 as well. All right, some review scores. Uh Open Critic is uh where we generally are getting our uh, overall reviews these days they have a 79 score so pretty good uh ign gave it an 8 out of 10 GameSpot a 7 uh game informer was an 8 and destructoid was a 7 so we're all kind of floating around the uh, the same general region of uh of scores uh sales were pretty good as well uh, as of october 2019 so right before the pc version released uh they had sold 3.2 million copies and uh, the npd numbers show it as number three uh, of all games and number two actually of ps4 exclusive titles uh, in the month of release, so May 2018. So, with all that said, we've gotten a little bit into our histories, uh, but let's uh, let's go a little bit further. Charlotte, uh, you have played the game once and uh, mostly watched it uh, a second time. Um, so, what have you uh, generally thought in in uh, in that? That so- that was so poorly worded. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Do you want my history with Quantic Dream games or do you want me to talk more about Detroit? How do you want this uh, to go? However you... Well, let's see. I, I I wouldn't spend too much time on Quantic Dream games since we've covered them uh, mm-hmm. previously, but I have I wasn't on any of those shows and neither were you. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, probably a little bit might might be... I'd say brief, but, but maybe not extensive. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So I've played... Pretty much all of the narrative-based um, Quantic Dream games. Um, I can't even remember if Fahrenheit was under a studio called Quantic Dream or whether they were named something else. But I've played half of Fahrenheit. I've played Heavy Rain quite a few times and I've played Beyond twice, I think. Um, and yeah, by the time Detroit came around, there was a lot going on about Quantic Dream. There was a lot of... Um, we have to be careful how we word this. There was a lot of... Uh, speculation and allegations about stuff that was going on at Quantic Dream with regards Mm. to workers' rights. And my situation at the time was that I made a decision I was going to boycott the game and I wasn't going to play it. Um, But since then, there's been a lot more that's come out about several companies and my perspective on the matter changed, thinking, you know, you can't punish everybody who works there just because of the potential actions of one individual or a group of individuals. So I changed my mind and I decided that I did want to play it. And then it came out on PS Plus and the decision was kind of made for me, you know. So yeah, I played it when it came out on PS Plus um, pretty slowly, actually. It's not a game that I rushed through the first time within a, within a couple of days, whereas the second playthrough, it was a very long... We, we completed it, like, passing the controller between us within 48 hours, definitely, a bit over 24 hours, I think. Um, and yeah, I... I 
it's one of those games where I walked away from it. I walked away from all of my playthroughs feeling quite good about it. But as time went on and I got a bit of distance, my opinions changed and got a bit more negative. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. The, the, the There's some very good stuff about it, but there's some stuff that's pretty not good. And you would expect Quantic Dream to have got good at that stuff by now, given that they've done the same type of game over and over and over again. So it's a bit disappointing, but... Yeah, I have some positive stuff to say as well. I played this, um, like Charlotte, I had also played uh, pretty much all, I have not actually played Fahrenheit uh, slash Indigo Prophecy, um, but I have played the other titles uh, kind of leading up to this, um, Heavy Rain and uh, and Beyond. I liked Heavy Rain quite a lot, um, Beyond a bit less so, uh, but still liked it. And um, so I was I was looking forward to Detroit. Um, I played it early 2019, um, so not right at release. Um, I feel like I say this almost every time, but it was not right at release, but I did play it pretty close after release uh, and then played it again. I, uh, somewhat surprisingly, uh, I did play the game a second time for the show uh, because as as apparently David Cage suggests, I generally don't play these types of games more than once. Um, I I just, I, I did the same thing with Life is Strange. I did the same thing with um, uh, The Walking Dead season one, uh, especially. It it always feels a little bit wrong to me to play it more than once because I kind of feel like the once is my playthrough. You know, it's it's my story. I, I actually did the same thing with Mass Effect. I've only ever played each Mass Effect game once um, because I felt like that was my shepherd. That was my decisions. Um, but I'm actually glad that I did play Detroit a second time because I um, I, I did end up getting... While I felt that I was playing pretty much the same as I did before, I ended up getting some very different um, results out of it. So just minor differences that I was uh, that I was finding and that I was choosing and reacting to. Uh, minor differences in those things kind of resulted in uh, some some pretty big changes. Uh, I got a handful more trophies this time around for things that I didn't intentionally go for, but it just kind of ended up that way. Uh, so yeah, twice through for me, um, both times as mostly a good, air quotes, good person. Um, so uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about some of the differences there as well. Uh, Jay, how about you? You, as, as I said before, noted David Cage enthusiast. Have you been on all the Quantic Dream shows up to uh, this one? No, I haven't. I wasn't. I've played. So here's the thing. My my uh, my history with DC goes quite back, quite far back. It goes all the way back to Omnicrom on the which Ooh. I got on the Dreamcast. I've not played that. That's the game that I know as uh, the one w- what has David Bowie in it. Is that yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so for some reason they've always been on my radar, and I was. Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna retread old ground. If you want to know what I felt about um, Heavy Rain. Or from beyond, go back and listen to those shows, but be mindful of the um, the language that's in the Heavy Rain show because this is pre-swear. <laughs> this is before we put the ban on the swearing on the podcast. But it's um, but yeah. Anyway, so when this game came out, I was intrigued by it. I've always found that I want to play their games. I just tend to wait until I can pick them up for under a fiver if I have to buy them. 
at least that was the case with uh, Beyond. So I figured this would be on the back burner. Uh, as it turned out, it came to PS Plus. But before that, I'd actually got a copy in 2018 and my wife bought it for me for my birthday. Well, I say she bought it. She actually was, you know, she got a, a free copy at work and she thought it would be amusing to give that as my birthday <laughs> present, knowing how the certain sort of, so I say, vitriol I have towards some of their titles in the past. <laughs> that she thought it'd be quite amusing. And it was. Um, but because I had a copy, I thought, you know what? I actually want to play this. Um, you know, I don't know if it was going to be the equivalent of a video game hair shirt, but I figured, why not, you know? So, yeah, I picked this up. Uh, I started playing this. When did I start playing this? I think it was probably January of 2019. It was after Christmas, I think, or around about that time. Um, but, yeah, I've gone through it. I went through it once then. I've replayed bits of it in the weeks preceding this recording. But yeah, so yeah, that's where I'm at with this. So if we, I feel like I should have probably moved this in my notes, but we're going to give a spoiler alert because we are going yeah. to go, uh, <laughs> well, actually, I guess we haven't really spoiled too much. We haven't so done far. anything yet. So yeah, yeah, but we will. Um, there's a lot of story in this game um, and a lot of different ways that you can go in the story of this game. Um, but yeah, I, I, this is not a, a super gameplay heavy type of game. Um, you're not going to be doing a lot of Twitch shooting or anything like that. Um, so the, the story is really kind of the bulk of this, the story and the dialogue. So um, if you are interested uh, in playing Detroit, um, go do that, then come back. We will talk about it. We'll still be here. Uh, it takes place in Detroit, Michigan in the year 2038, which is really not that far away. So, um, I, I, I think I had it in my head that it took place further in the future than this. Um, this is, uh, 2038 sounds like a year that like will never come, but, um, it's 2020 now. So if we have androids that look like people and act like people in 18 years, I'm going to be pretty surprised, but, um, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, I yeah. You know what? This this gets to one massive issue I've got with this, and not just this game, but certain mm -hmm. other sort of media that deal with the same idea. Um, for for the most part, which is that these things look so human-like. It always feels mm -hmm. like right. Hold on a minute. So we build these things that are almost like visually indiscernible from a human being. They have far faster reflexes, greater strength. Like, come it's on. Like we're setting ourselves like, up to fail. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, why do they have to look like human beings? There's, like, If they all looked like my Alexa, then it would be a, a much different game. <laughs> yeah, but I often wonder why, why it is that we like, and I think this, is, this, this can be problematic because I think it breaks, it can break the logic of the world in certain ways. It feels like, why would you make them realistic, like human-like? Um, in this, well, it's in interesting because you do, uh, or you can at least. This is um, th this is yeah. tied to one of the endings that I got. Um, I I don't know if Kara's endings all end up in a similar situation, but in the one that I got, they are taking the androids into camps and they make them deactivate their skins. Yeah. So they don't look human. I mean, they still have the human shape, but they no longer, you know, they, they look like this, just kind of these smooth white uh, plastic yeah. androids, you know, they, they don't look human anymore. And that's, it, it, I mean, it seems pretty obvious, but like, you, I don't know that 
all of these soldiers and all of these people that are that are forcing them through these camps would really want to be doing that if they still looked like people you know uh, you you have a child android that's going through here and you know she's just mm. a little white doll almost but if that looked like a real kid like i think that they would have a much more difficult time with that so yeah, yeah. it uh, i mean so apparently in the world that they've created there's this thing called the um I think it's the American Android Act, which demands that they have the little blue light on their temple to identify mm -hmm. them as an android. But yet, as we'll get into, some of the characters don't have that, which I feel is either deliberately there to mislead the player or it's just crap. <laughs> they just... Well, you do, see, you do see some of them removing those. Yeah, Marcus, yeah, but it's... Yeah, in yeah. a relatively so this in, What it creates yeah. is this really inconsistent sort of version of whatever they're doing and i think really good fiction has to work that stuff out so straight mm -hmm. away it's on the wrong foot with me because it's like why are they human you know i, I think if you mm -hmm. ah, sorry i'm gonna yeah no go carry on sorry <laughs> nope that's this is what we're here for um but yes that that you can probably piece it together from what we've said so far but um the kind of scenario that you're dealing with is that uh, androids are everywhere. Uh, they look like people and they are being placed into homes and businesses and work sites and stores and pretty much everywhere you can think of to uh, to assist humans and to do the jobs that humans don't want to do. Uh, and some humans are very nice and supportive to their androids and, you know, treat them well. And then some humans treat them like slaves. Uh, and that is, that's kind of the conflict as the androids start to kind of wake up and question whether they are actually just machines to do whatever the humans tell them to do, or if they are, in fact, a, a different sentient species. Um, so, it, I mean, obviously the game itself is on the Android side, pretty much. Um, well, you know what I say, obviously, um, but I, I guess that you could play this game just straight up as uh, humans are correct most of the time, if not all of the time. Um, I don't I don't know that I could do that. Uh, you are meant to sympathize with your main characters who are all androids or your main playable characters are all androids, I should say. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know that I would. I think I would have a really difficult time playing this as a air quotes bad character. Um, but the visuals are really impressive. I, I felt like this was the strong point of the game. Um I mentioned before that uh, they did a significant amount of uh, motion capture, performance capture, uh, the actors, especially the main actors, um, but also a lot of the, uh, I'm going to list in, in just a bit some of the uh, the actors that make up the main cast, but, uh, you know, these are people that you will recognize. Uh, not all of them, maybe, but uh, th there, are, there are a lot of actors in this who um, have either done uh, a significant amount of voice acting or maybe in some cases have done a lot of film acting and TV acting. And, uh, you know, these are, these are established people who, uh, I think that they do a pretty good job given that the written material that they are given to work with is not always the strongest. I'll say, um, what did you guys think about the performances? Charlotte. I thought they were really good. Um, well, some were better than others. 
I'm going to I'm going to lay it out right here. I loved mm-hmm. Connor's story arc and to be honest, I could have played this game and just done Connor's story and I felt like the actor who played Connor Brian Deckard, Deckard, I can't say his name. Um his performance was very robotic, but that was the point and it just mm-hmm. worked really well. And um, Clancy Brown's um, acting with Hank was solid and it just provided this perfect double act and both of the um, actors really seemed to bounce off each other. Whether they were doing recording sessions together or not, I don't know. Probably not. But it just uh, seemed they to were, work. Actually, yeah, they did. There's some footage online that you can see them doing the hmm. mocap and stuff together. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they worked really well. I was a bit disappointed with... Because Jesse Williams is a really well-established actor. I've, I've watched him a lot in Grey's Anatomy and I felt like his performance at points was a little bit weak, but he's not really a video game actor like that's not really his background so maybe that's why it's a little bit um not quite what i'd expected um Mm -hmm. but generally the performances were really good to say i think they did the best they could with the material largely not to say that the material was terrible i have problems with it but you know they did have some gaps to fill in my opinion Mm -hmm. yeah i kind of agree i kind of feel that one of the things one of its saving graces really was that you know, aside from when you've got a sort of, a, I'd say an average script at times, but when actors that can get a performance out of it, that it carries it a lot of the time. And I feel that was, it's definitely, yeah, I think of all the games I played of theirs, it was definitely one where they got the mix kind of right with the casting. Um, you know, I think with the previous game, they'd gone to Hollywood. And they were with actors that felt un- that didn't feel comfortable in what they were doing. So there was a bit of kind of disconnect from that stuff. And then this was, I don't know. Yeah, it kind of worked. I also liked the, the having so many characters as well because it kept the game kind of varied. I think that's one of the things that I took away from it is the, you, the fact that you keep swapping between these um, different characters in the game meant that it... it uh, it didn't work all the time because there were times I wanted to carry on playing one character, but then you get pulled out of it and have to go to one that you weren't particularly uh, keen on. But it, mm. it it stopped the game from getting stale in one particular area because it kept changing things up. Going back to like how the music changed with the characters as well. Similar to you, Leo, I couldn't tell you if there was uh, any particular differences in the audio in that in the score. I couldn't I couldn't highlight that stuff, but. Um, I feel it just added to a general ambience of difference between them. So, yeah, it's it's like you you kind of get a different. At least this is the way that I kind of thought of it. Was I, I got a different feel out of it, but yeah. I didn't necessarily notice what it was that was contributing to that feel until yeah. I started to pick it apart. And that's that's good. You know, that's what you want. You don't yeah. want to have your audience coming into the game and saying, oh, well, this character obviously has a different color palette and yeah. uh, they're, they're more string heavy in the, uh, in the score. So this means uh, mm. obviously, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> it's almost surprising in a game that um, as, as we'll, I'm sure discuss, um, you know, has some pretty heavy-handed bits in the dialogue, especially. Look, it's, it's a David Cage game. It's going to be nothing yeah. but heavy-handed. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned at the beginning about the director of photography was talking about the different sort of uh, camera settings that they had for mm-hmm. the different characters. I genuinely didn't see this. Like, I didn't notice it. And there's part of me that's thinking, was that really necessary? Because I didn't, I didn't see that. 
But then it is now something that I'll be looking for. Yeah. And I think when I read that, I kind of went back and looked at some, you know, just a little bit of the like screenshots and things. And yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm looking for it, I can tell it's there. But I it it was not something that I picked out until then. And maybe it isn't about sort of making it so obvious. Maybe it's almost like a subconscious thing that you Mm. just it just creates, you know, like as I said before, a certain ambience with each particular character. Yeah, the, the mean, subtlety the subtlety in that respect is is kind of oh, this is this yeah, is what I was getting at. Not something it's kind you of surprising. Qu- yeah. yeah, it is for a quantic dream game. Subtlety is not the word I would use. <laughs> yeah, not exactly. Uh, but it is. I, I thought it was effective. I I, mm. I did. Uh, I I also would say that I had um, a, a fondness for uh, the Connor and Hank storyline over the other two, uh, but they were still good performances and I still felt that they, uh, they, they did step into those roles pretty well, especially um, when you consider that, um, that Cara's voice actress, uh, Valerie Curry has been literally playing this role for, uh, you know, since 2012. So um, it's, it's kind of cool to see it, uh, see it all come together like that. Um, we do have a piece of correspondence from our forum, which is canamrince.com slash forum, uh, regarding the performances from Deadpool Negative, who says, When I wrote about Days Gone, I spoke of how Sam Witwer's performance really held that game together. In Detroit Become Human, two in particular stand out. Brian Descartes as Connor and Valerie Curry as Kara. Jesse Williams as Marcus is also effective. The scene where Marcus is crawling through the android graveyard is amazing, but he's also saddled with a more conventional, more, air quotes, human character. The story establishes almost from the beginning he's more advanced in emotion than Marcus and Kara. Marcus is trying his best to understand the situations he's been placed in, but he's also incredibly blunt and alien in the way he interacts with others. Granted, part of the way he reacts and others react to him is under the control of the player, but Descartes grants every interaction with an otherness. It's rumored he frequently went off script, much to Cage's dismay. His interactions with Clancy Brown's crusty detective character are the best parts of the game. Brown, always a fantastic actor, meets Descartes note for note as he reacts to Connor's behavior in an achingly human way. Curry as Kara does a good job of playing how her own programming informs her deviancy. She can't just walk away from seeing Alice be hurt. She plays Kara as surprised at her own behavior at first, but at her need to protect Alice to reassure her, to reassure her, it's very moving because Curry reads her lines as if Kara is discovering something inside of her she didn't know existed. She so desperately wants Alice to feel safe, yet she can't quite comprehend why. At least that's how I read her performance. Curry is best known for playing a serial killer on the TV show The Following. At one point, I fixed Kara's hairstyle to be as close as possible to Curry's character on that show, which was very amusing. Um, yeah, I haven't actually seen the following, but that, that's, that's pretty funny. I don't know, um, that I had really seen, um, Valerie Curry in anything that I had remembered. Um, but yes, she, uh, Valerie Curry as Kara, um, she has been in Veronica Mars, um, which is some time ago, uh, except for the newest season, uh, which, you know, this is not a TV podcast, but I love Veronica Mars. So, um, it, uh, yeah, not, um, not, uh an actress that i was especially familiar with but um i definitely a uh, a a solid choice i thought uh for uh for one of the leads 
uh, Brian Descartes as Connor. Um, worth noting that Descartes and his wife, who plays the two Tracys, now have their own Twitch channel and have streamed Detroit with actors commentary. That is fascinating. I will need to uh, to look that up because uh, that sounds cool. Uh, Jesse Williams from uh, notably Grey's Anatomy. I also put in here uh, Dirty Dancing 3 Capoeira Nights, which is a thing I didn't know existed, but uh, now I do as Marcus. Uh, Audrey Bastani. Uh, yeah, as- he's also like, here's the thing. Like, I, I knew I'd seen him somewhere before. And then it's when mm-hmm. you check his IMDb, he's in Cabin in the Woods as well. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, I think that was, I have not watched any Grey's Anatomy, so I think that was really where I knew him from. Right. Um, so not not as familiar as uh, as as many people who have watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy, but um, yes, definitely, and a very established actor as uh, as I think uh, Charlotte, you were saying. Um, Audrey Bastani as Alice, Clancy Brown as Hank, uh, Clancy Brown, <laughs> notable for voicing Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob SquarePants, and also uh, the way I kind of always think of Clancy Brown is he's like almost the definition of the character actor that you don't exactly know where you've seen him from, but you know his character so well. Um, I Clancy Brown is fantastic in this game, um, and if I had to pick a favorite, uh, it would probably be him. Uh, also, Lance Henriksen, um, who who is basically the sci-fi actor of the 80s um aliens notably the the entire aliens franchise pretty much um and uh yes a lot of uh, pumpkin head i've seen that recently also also a lance hendrickson joint uh simbi Kali williams uh as amanda i i could not figure out for the life of me where i had seen her before and uh, looking at her imdb turns out that she is uh, uh she was in uh, third rock from the sun so uh, that's the actress playing Amanda, Evan Park as Luther, Minka Kelly as North, Ben Lambert as Simon and Daniel, Parker Sawyers as Josh. Parker Sawyers um, has uh, actually played Barack Obama in uh, in a movie before. Uh, and Neil Newbon as Elijah Kamsky and Gavin Reed. He uh, he double teamed that. Um there are a lot of actors uh, similar to how I said up front. There are a lot of people who worked on this game. There are a lot of actors in this game. Uh, my list here was by no means all inclusive. It's just kind of a, a gathering of some of the uh, the major characters. Um, but what do you guys think? Is there anybody that I haven't listed that really made an impression on you? Who of these is uh, do you think that you know you you really ident maybe not identified with, but uh, favorite characters uh jay uh favorite characters i mean yeah i'm gonna like it to me it's just the main cast because i think a lot of the other characters are quite forgettable i mean mm. you know like the character of elijah kamsky is the, the if i'm correct about this he's the guy who created the ais and the robots the androids in the first place and was yes. kind of Mark you only Zuckerberg. really see him for one scene, and then yeah. Gavin Reed is the FBI guy. Or no, I'm sorry, Gavin Reed is the uh, he's the police. Yeah, uh, this this is this is uh, d- demonstrative of the fact that I can't remember whether he's the FBI guy or the police detective that is a jerk. Um, yeah, both, but you know he's one of those. He's the but jerk there, police detective. Yeah, there's oh, a lot you. of those characters where they're kind of quite sidelined in a way. They don't really have a big scene to well maybe it's dependent on how you play maybe there's more to it with this stuff which is always difficult to know mm-hmm. until you've tried all the variations i guess but i think um you know the main core cast i think he's pretty yeah. good I, I haven't got any issues with him i mean 
yeah, my issues aren't with their performances. My issues are with the lines and the the way the story sort of unfolds and the kind of situations they're put in, which feel contrived at best. But um, mm. but yeah, Charlotte. Yeah, I think mainly, as I've said before, I think the Connor and Hank stuff was particularly strong. I think, like, but then again, this is more of a story. Again, this is more of a story thing than an acting thing. Um, mm. I think I had problems with the portrayal of North as well. I felt that that was quite one-sided, but then I think that was a story sort of yeah. failure as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I would agree with that. North is... Uh, North is uh, the um, one of the female androids that you meet in uh, in Jericho when you get there, and um, she is very bitter and angry, and really likes it when you take the violent option, um, which made her not especially popular with me. But if you uh, if you do enough to gain her trust and to gain her uh, her allegiance, I guess, uh, then you can become uh, I, I think that they actually say lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get to see android sex, which is apparently putting your hands together and sharing memories. So it's a little, little bit Vulcan there. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's I, I did that. That was one of the major changes in my two playthroughs is in the first playthrough that I did. I did not get that close to North in the second playthrough. I did. And, and we were together and uh, towards the end when you are kind of cornered by the cops, one of the options that you have that you don't have if you don't get close to her is you can just kiss her and then they all drop their guns, which I don't know. I don't know mm. how I feel about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, the, that's the, one of those heavy-handed "love conquers all." Yeah, I guess yeah. Um, things. Yeah, I mean, the, the so she's apparently a former sex bot who yes. worked at the Eden Club and then did a runner after she murdered a um, a client. But um, yeah, it's just uh, these are where I have the problems. Is they seem to forget along the story with this stuff. I mean. I don't know. Are we get well. No, we're not getting into that. Just well, are we getting into that? We now? can. Yeah, look, yeah, we can. It it fits with this. <laughs> yeah. It, so I have this thing where it seems that at various points in this game, they seem to forget that they're robots. I think one of the and I don't really remember getting quite irritated by this when I I played it because it's it's such a sort of it, again it harks back to the fact that I think the writers forget that they're writing about robots, which is that you find one during the course. So. There's a couple of early scenes with Clancy Brown and and um, Connor's character, uh, mm-hmm. Connor's character, Brian Bouchard's <laughs> character, but with Connor and Hank, where you're looking, you found a body, and yeah. he's been murdered by his um, android, and you have to sort of search through the house, figure out the clues, and guess what? He's in the loft, as if no cop ever decided to take a look in the loft, which seems like ridiculous. But anyway, you find him. They take him in for questioning, and there's a scene, the whole interrogation scene starts with Clancy Brown's character shouting at this robot, like, confess, tell me you did it. I'm thinking, he's a robot. Just plug him into a hard drive and download his memory. Surely it's that simple. Like, it, surely it's not, you know, you're talking to a robot. They have no rights. So it's it's already established that they're 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 appliances. That's how they're seen as. They're not human beings. They have no rights. So the idea of sitting him down and reading, you know, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they don't go as far as reading him the Miranda rights or anything like that, but it was that level of like, hold on a minute. Just- so they, they, do, they do try to explain, so I, I'm not saying that this yeah, is necessarily an effective explanation, but 
They, yeah, they say things like, you know, I, well, if you stress them out too much, mm. then they'll self-destruct. But my question to that is, okay, I get that you're using that as an explanation, but why yeah. would you build it so exactly. that if it gets and it too just feels like that's out, an excuse. That's a way to sort of the writers yeah. to work around a gameplay mechanic that makes sure. no logical sense in the sort of, I think, yeah, so this is, it's just that thing where it didn't, it didn't feel right. It just felt at odds. It, it made, it, it lacked a logic within the world and stuff like that, that they were creating. It just didn't make sense. It's like, you're, you're asking yourself, who would make a device that self-destructs if you get stressed, you know, and it's it, that, but. Charlotte? Yeah, I was just going to say that I think the self-destruct route is uh, like their explanation for why they can't just plug them in. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's yeah. a flimsy one. I think I've just thought that one of my issues is that, um, so I have a big issue with Marx's story, uh, which I'll mm -hmm. get into later. Mm -hmm. But I think that North and Josh are supposed to be, that their only reason for existing, well, North is, is as the romantic interest, but also yeah. as the, the sort of terrorist sort of, violent route whereas josh is the character who is all for you taking a peaceful approach and mm -hmm. that is sort of the extent of their existence and basically everybody around marcus are his disciples to get into i have a problem with marcus's mm. route is it's a lot about marcus is like jesus um and they, they're just like sort of that what sorry so we have a three-word review about that, I believe. Yeah. Well, it's 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 just they serve purposes to forward Marcus's story, and that would make sure. sense if they're pure androids. But the whole point of the game is to show that they're somehow multifaceted beings. So it doesn't mm. make any sense. It, I, I, they do try to to kind of have some monologues about this. Uh, but but it all kind of comes back to whether you believe that they yeah. should be able to 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 make these choices or not um there's a late game discussion between uh it's I, I think it's before it might be before you blow up jericho um where you are talking to north and she says uh listen an android came to me and he said that he drove this truck full of cobalt into the city and set it up to blow up here's the detonator and like that is the most that's one of the most heavy-handed things ever. It's like, it, it is literally, are you going to blow up this city or not? You know, a and you get, they are not subtle about giving you the separate options to, you know, th there's the war option, there's the peace option. I think that even when you are, um, when you're uh, breaking into, when you're demonstrating, essentially, when you're uh, kind of setting up, the uh the the square with with all of the uh, the propaganda for whatever you choose and you can choose you know the the literal yeah. martin luther king quote uh if you want to but i think that the options there are something like oh but wait a minute Leah, 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 wait a minute it's not about civil rights oh my god <laughs> all right um well i guess we're here now um <laughs> all right uh so jay would you like to talk about some oh of don't get me started with this because like so <laughs> oh, oh like, we're started go for it well this this brings me down to and i was i'm trying to avoid going on a soapbox about how much i don't like david cage i don't know like but david i think this cage. is re this is related to the writing yeah, this, this is, is really because he the, was one of there, there were other writers involved but he was the yeah main, but he's the, the central writer, mouthpiece and this yes. is where i have a problem i have never ever seen an interview with him where he doesn't come off as thoroughly disingenuous like, mm -hmm. 
I don't like him because I think he is um, a fake in many ways. I think he's inconsistent with what he talks about and he, he, he doesn't, it's almost like he doesn't have a clear vision about what his game was. And he, you know, you can read several interviews around this, this point of this game where he's gone on saying it's not about civil rights. Um, it's not trying to say anything, but I've got something to say. And it's just like, he's so, th- like, it, it's, I, I find that is that something I, that is very frustrating, I yeah. think, uh, because I, I mean, if you if you want to make a game that says something that is an allegory to civil rights, that is, you know, it, is saying something like that, then great, do it, you know. Yeah, but it, but I don't understand why he would put things in, in direct references to the yeah. Underground Railroad, actual yeah. Martin Luther King quotes. Yeah. Uh, the androids have to ride in the back of the bus. You know, it's yeah. it's very obvious what he is doing here. He has taken these inspirations. I don't. I can't tell whether it's that he wants everybody to think that this is his original idea. That's probably it. But I don't know. You know, uh, it. And then towards the end of the towards the end of the game, where the androids are going into camp. Like, okay, so now you're making Holocaust references? Like, I don't... It's it's uncomfortable to to say that you are making these references to these incredibly horrible things that have happened and Mm. still happen, but... It's even more distasteful, I think, to make those references and say, well, this isn't like real life. This is something that I made up. No, you didn't. Like, people have suffered through these things. And if you want to take, you know, a, a... if you want to tell that story in a different way and take those inspirations, I think that's fine. And I think that that, that some people will really still get a lot out of that. I thought if I didn't know any, if I didn't know any better, that, that sounds dismissive. But if I, if I did not know any of the outside uh, kind of references to this and, and it was just the story itself, I would probably have had a very different viewpoint on that. I might have thought, oh my gosh, that's clever, you know, because it really does seem very similar to what, you know, real people have gone through in history. But as it is, this is not a completely fictional event. And to say that it is, is, I think, as, as you say, Jay, it's it's extremely disingenuous to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, and I think this, it, it, I've had a problem with their games in the past. And what I've realized is it's less about the games and more about him. And I hate this because I feel that it's, I have a, I feel that I should be able to look at the game separately, but I find it really hard to separate the art from the artist, if you will. And I'm using artist in air quotes there because, you know, um, <laughs> Been a lot of air quotes in this issue. But, uh, yeah, it's like, I find he's my sticking point with this because I've, I've just never seen an interview that didn't wind me up with him because, mm. you know, because of the way that he is. And I think it's the same way as you get sort of, when people mention Randy Pitchford alongside Borderline, you could have a great game, but it's kind of soured by this this person who's the 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 center point of all the publicity. And I think honestly, I think he could he would do a better job if he sat. And I've said it before, but I feel like he should sit out of this stuff. He shouldn't do interviews because journalists now are going in with the point of trying to pick apart what he's saying and get him to and run circles around him for the most part and. and yeah, I just yeah, and so I I I find that this this tempers or taints my entire outlook on their games. I would have loved to have played Detroit, completely devoid of that, mm. and gone in with a completely blank slate. And I'd be curious to see how I took the thing. But I'd go in with a, a with a definite bias into these games, and I struggle with it. Because I'm always there's always this I've always got my cynical hat on, which is why I'm picking apart certain scenes where 
I, I perhaps wouldn't have been so critical with other games yeah. um, because I've not heard the direct creative director being a dick in an interview. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah. Fair. It's it's something that I I think it's getting more and more difficult as game developers and game designers become personalities, at least in our circles, kind of. Um, it's becoming more and more difficult to divorce those things from each yeah. other. Um, and whether we should or not is a discussion for another time, probably. But um, obviously, it is very difficult. Um, Charlotte, I know you also have uh, issues with uh, some of the setup and the writing and, and such. Uh, would you like to talk about that a little bit here? Yeah, so basically one of the problems I, I, I think I'd feel uncomfortable saying I didn't like Marcus's section, um, but there was big, I had big problems with it and it, it, I feel uncomfortable thinking about it. And the reason for that is all of the the civil rights allegories that were a bit too on the nose, but that's also overlapped with, it's clear that they're trying to paint Marcus as a sort of Jesus character. Like he's RA9, so the the android god in some sort of physical body. Um, Mary, Magdalene and North share some similarities. Some of the disi his disciples, there's a there's a, um, an android called John that sacrifices himself, I believe. So that's the name of one of Jesus' disciples. Mm -hmm. um, he, he resurrects from this scrap heap. It's just, there's, there's so many comparisons and layering that on top of all the civil rights stuff. It's just too much. It's too much comparison. It's too much. It's, it's mixing, you know, holocausts, um, American civil rights, uh, religion, and it's it's just like it's so much that it comes across as really just you just groan at it. It's just it's just painful. I, I found parts of it painful, and we were just laughing playing the second playthrough because it was so on the nose. Um, just to talk a little bit about an, a bigger problem that I had that's maybe a bit less extreme. Um, I had a bit of a problem in general with this with the, the story because it felt like sometimes it was just repeating itself too much. So Conest story is about an an android that uh, becomes human through a sense of justice uh, marcus's is sort of similar actually it's about justice more or less and, and cars is about love and it just felt like it was the same story sort of replaying itself and connor's felt a bit different but Kara's felt quite predictable and didn't yeah. have really have a lot special to say it was very moving in parts but also there was parts of it that um somehow gave me flashbacks to heavy rain for some reason it it had the same sort of vibe in parts. But child um, endangerment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it it's hard to describe, but it just it some parts of it just didn't feel like they were delivering anything new. And I I, I laughed at the beginning and said I would have loved to have just played a story about Connor, but actually maybe that's true. Maybe I'd have rather just played a story fully from Connor's perspective, even though it like the detective stuff is exactly like Heavy Rain. Um maybe because I loved the detective stuff in Heavy Rain and it is about, you know, an android human buddy cop sort of pairing yeah that would have been enough for me and to to be honest like heavy rain i felt dealt with multiple story arcs a lot better than detroit did sometimes um like i agree that sometimes taking a break and going to a different story was a bit of like relief but um yeah some of some of it was cringy some of it was just didn't feel like it had much to say you know one of the bigger problems i had with heavy rain was that um, when you're playing well, the detective in that game and he's got these AR vision 
glasses and you're using them to scan the uh, the crime scenes. I didn't like that stuff in Heavy Rain at all because it was set in a mo- in I guess the game came out in 2010. It's set round about that time. There's nothing specifically mm-hmm. sci-fi about it, but the, this guy suddenly got this kind of AR VR sort of setup, and it's weird. It, it feels really disconnecting when you're you're playing it. You think, what the hell? What what century am I in right now? Because it's it felt sci-fi. It worked completely in Detroit because he's an android. And so he's got all this kind of functionality where he can scan stuff and, and look at stuff and analyze things. And it made complete sense. And I liked that stuff. I agree. I think th- those scenes where you're scanning the um, crime scenes and stuff, like even, you know, the very beginning intro scene, which is also the, the demo that they created, which I quite like that. I like the way it set it up. Nothing... Um, being positive about it, it was like the controls, which they've kind of variations of the same thing they've been working on for the last few games, felt very much like they've honed that stuff really well by this point. Yeah, like mm. all that stuff worked really, you know, impre- it impressed me. Where I felt I- with sorry, uh, where I felt it, it floundered was it kind of annoyed me that Kara's story or Alice in particular. So the only way that he feels you can get emotion from a character, from a player is to put your characters in danger all the time. Everything had to be threat level taken to 11. You know, basically she's under this, what you assume at the time is an abusive father who is going to, if you don't make the right choices, he murders her. And I kind of feel, you know, what might have worked better to engage the player is just be a normal person in this. If it had been a normal, it would have been interesting to me to have been part of a, a you know, have one of these characters just be within a normal society with a normal family, doing normal family things, but somehow slowly work into where you become part of that family because of the things that you do with them, the normal stuff. Why did it always have to be like, you know, he's going to kill her, you've got to save her and all that kind of stuff and she's going to drown, whatever. You know, it's just, it always, like, it's just the way that his games have always done. I said earlier, there's no such thing as subtlety in a quantic dream game, but he deals in such heavy duty tropes and cliche as well. And it's just, it's always been the thing that has, has distracted me with this stuff. I feel like there's great potential with their games if he just takes it down about a dozen notches, you know? <laughs> So something, uh, just just because you were specifically talking about uh, Alice and Kara, mm. something that really bothered me about their storyline, um, and I assume that unless you get Kara killed super early, you would see, you would find this out. I don't, I don't mm. think that this is specific to anyone's storyline, but you find out once you make it to Jericho that Alice is actually an android. You have yeah. been led to believe that she is yeah. a human child this entire time, um, yeah. and that kind of blows a lot of the point for me because yeah. i it seemed like what they were building up to until that point was that you know an android and a human can have this relationship that is very deep and very loving and yeah. you know they you you um we haven't really talked about the uh, kind of the relationship system but uh it's it's a uh, a system wherein the choices that you make either raise or lower your standing in mm. in other characters uh eyes so once you get up to a certain point with Alice as Kara she becomes uh, the tag that they give her is she becomes family so you know you, you it, it for me it 
seemed to be the point that they were building to was that an android and a human are no different because look they can become family Uh, they are not blood relatives because they can't be because this one's human and this one's an android but then it turns out that she is an android so i I mean what what does that even mean does that take away the meaning of everybody can live together because she was never human to begin with or and and the human character that is in this relationship the father um you know is is completely violent and destructive so like it, it does that mean that they can't actually all live together or you know it it i didn't like that reveal uh and i mm, i it mm. i had problems with that in that in that particular storyline the problem i have and 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 i wonder if there's other aspects of this game which i'm not trying to alleviate just how badly some of this stuff is written or at least I don't want to say scripted. I think it's just generally the the overall story points are the problem more than the script itself. But the if you follow, and I've got no idea on the choices you have to make to this, but there's a point where you can meet Todd if you didn't kill him. <laughs> in the point where if he survives the, you know, where you, yeah, it's tricky to to try and explain something. But there's a point where you can meet him again right at the very end, and he explains. He has this moment of like realization of how much of a of a fool he's been, how much of a, a of a you know a, a bad person he's been to these characters, and he explains that he he bought Alice to try and to prove to himself that he could be a good father, and then failed at it. And there's a point where then Alice kind of forgives him with a hug. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's part of me that feels like this point. This if if you could draw this out with a better writer and better sort of a character a better character arc could have worked but the point is i never saw that ending i had to watch it on a youtube video because i never got i mean i didn't kill him but um i never encountered him and i think it's it's he's at the bus stop at one point where you have to kind of go near him for it to trigger anyway if he don't then i don't think it just happens so there's all this stuff where i think this is, and maybe it harks back to how tricky it is to create a, a game that has so many choices, so many variations. You've got no idea on how stuff's going to play out. It's like you, like we said, you know, you can have characters killed. Although I'm questioning that because I killed Connor twice in my playthrough, and he comes back every time. But um, it, it, it occurred to me that there were points with these some of these story arcs that could have been really good if you could guarantee that you're going to see them. And instead, what happens is a lot of the time you're going to hit a wall with some of them and be left hanging almost, and it's not going to work for you in the same way. Yeah, I think um, my personal experience of watching somebody else play it my second time through Mm. was that it was mostly with Kara's stuff where I had to basically tell my partner to do something because if he didn't, then he would end his game with Kara. Like the the point where um Kara has to go and save the little girl he just stood there because he thought well I'm a robot I w- well I'm an android I wouldn't go and rescue her because that's against my programming so I just stood there and I was like move move <laughs> you're gonna get game over and it's the same with um I made the mistake in my playthrough of uh, running uh, when Kara was leaving Jericho and getting myself shot mm. and um yeah I had to guide him through that because he was gonna get himself shot as well so th- funny, um, I did the same thing in my first playthrough uh, with Kara getting shot. You can still survive if she gets shot. You just get taken to a camp. That's what I did this time. That's the mm. uh, that's the three uh, percent ending that I got. 
uh, with Kara is uh, you and uh, you and Alice get transported to a camp and then you have to try and escape the camp. It's just like that's uh, if you die, uh, if Kara dies at the house, that's like how much of the game are you not going to see? Mm-hmm. Quite it, a lot. Of yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I like the idea that you can do that, that you can literally depending on your choices, like end it within the first hour of play kind of thing. I, I like that. And I, I kind of respect that side of them taking that as a, as a, a way it can go. That is um, why I say I think that you might not be able to permanently kill Connor up until the end. Yeah. Uh, because think, as you say, he does yeah. come back. I think there's even a trophy yeah. for getting him killed as many times as you can and having him come back. Um, yeah. I don't have that trophy, but um, I, I, I do remember seeing it. But yeah, I, I think that they might have done that with him just so that even if you do get your other two characters permanently out of commission, you yeah. still have something that you can carry on for the rest of the game with. I That's yeah. speculation purely, yeah. but... But I do feel that that the whole Alice thing is where I, you know, because it it, it feels very much, if I paid 40 quid for this game, I'm pretty sure I would have had the same reaction as I had when Scott, uh, uh, actually I'll have to cut that because you know what spoilers do for people these days, but um, (laughs) where you find out who the killer is in in Heavy Rain, um, you know, because it wound me up because it made no sense. It felt like, such a, a level of red herring in terms of like the audience will, f- you know, we're going to make sure the audience don't figure it out by deliberately manipulating it so that they mm. don't suspect. And she doesn't have the little light on the side of her head, which she gets later when you're in the, the uh, oil tanker or whatever with all the other sort of deviant androids. And I feel that that's like, it's a not, you know, when I, when that disc, I didn't get angry because I hadn't paid for the game. I'd have bought this thing. That's the point where I would have been like furious because it feels like it's underestimate. You underestimate how smart your audience is by basically deliberately making sure that you're, you're playing a complete fake on them, you know, with this fake child and all I the kind stuff. Of justif- Ooh, sorry. It's not a goal. I kind of justified uh, a lot of the questions that I normally would have had yeah. by saying, uh, and and the questions that I'm talking about are uh, basically, well, if it's so easy to just remove your, your, uh, yeah. your blue ring, um, why wouldn't you just do that? Because yeah. it seems like it's and the only thing. <laughs> the, the, well, the way that I justify that is that they only seem to have a finite number of models of androids. So they mm. would be more easily recognizable. But by that same token, if that is true, then why hasn't anybody ever seen another uh, another Alice, you know, yeah. uh, up until the, the point where they see the one on the ship? Like, th- that it seems like, and there's, I, I don't remember that it's before or after you see, it must be after, uh, you see the other Alice. Uh, you can pick up a magazine somewhere yeah. that has something, okay. you know, about the perfect child or whatever, and it's yeah. got a model of Alice on it. Um, but up until that point, you know, it, you would expect you have seen other androids that look like, uh, well, not Marcus, because he's, I, I guess he's, um, I guess they go into at some point how um, Kamsky made him hmm. specifically, or or it's something yeah. that you can find uh, in in uh, Carl's house, but, you know, that, that he is, uh, he yeah. is unique. Um, but the other androids, you know, you, I mean, you have 
actors who are playing more than one role because their models are, are in, in yeah. other places. You know, you'll see them in shop windows or you'll see them in stores or whatever. And just th- the chances of them not seeing another child android up until now just seem pretty yeah. low. Second, well, I mean, I've got like a couple of questions with that. One is the, the magazine that you pick up. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in the actual game. That that flashback is kind of reworked in a way that you then notice the the, the cover of the magazine showing quite clearly the Android Alice, and that would have, like, to me, if they put if that's the case in the game, then you straight away should be able to figure it out. But also, it it's like they, you know, I feel like a, a, if you're going to tell the story, then why not just give it away that she's, you know, the whole point. Yeah. The, also, <laughs> why would you have a child android? I've got to say, on levels of, um, you know, admittedly, we're talking, that's why there weren't very from many one to eleven. That, that scales eleven on creepy, weird stuff that you wouldn't. You'd have to question why somebody's got a, an android kid. You know, well, but, um, I mean, I can I can understand what they were maybe going for. Uh, for a situation in which like a couple can't have a child um and, and they or well, they, they don't have are, adoption in and or they are <laughs> extremely rich and they just want an ornamental you know perfect child that's not going to make a mess or and is going to do everything that they told them because i mean they're they yeah. i i don't know i i don't have well. a, i don't have a good answer for that but um but single man with uh with small girl yeah. child android Dr- is single drug creepy. addict man yeah. <laughs> with um how yeah. did he afford two androids, by yeah. the way? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's... Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I'm nitpicking. It might sound like I'm nitpicking, but these are genuinely questions that I had when I'm playing. Is this whole mm-hmm. kind of how... <laughs> it's the lack of subtlety with that stuff. I mean, come on. Did I really expect it? No. But and it's see, like... That's the, that's the thing, though, is that like they do do a few things that are quite subtle and it's cool when they do uh, the, the yeah. one that i'm thinking of here i don't remember if i ran into this the first time or if this is something you have to run into um but amanda who is the uh the person uh yeah. or whatever the the uh person that is kind of connor's handler mm-hmm. um that you meet in the garden and who kind of gives you your missions and you know briefs you and all that stuff um I couldn't remember when I went in for the second playthrough what the deal with her was because it's they make it pretty clear that it's not like a physical place that you are. So I wasn't sure whether she was supposed to be an AI, whether she was supposed yeah. to be um, like the projection of another person. And what you find out, um, I, I think that it is part of the storyline that Connor says something about, oh, you were his teacher or, you know, whatever. Um, mm. But when you are at Kamsky's house, one of the things that you can find in his lobby is a picture for uh, is a picture of him and Amanda and she it, it has like when you scan it uh, it gives you you know their vital statistics everything and she's yeah. been dead for a couple of years yeah. so essentially she is an AI but she's an AI based off of his dead teacher so yeah. you know she's she's not she is not she's kind of a real person but kind of not a real person mm-hmm. and if you hadn't looked at that picture or even if you had and just hadn't noticed that, you know, she had died, you know, she had a yeah. date of death on there. They don't come out and say, listen, I, I was with, uh, I was with this teacher when I was, uh, you know, working for whatever, or when I was mm. in this university and she died. And I, you know, there isn't like that, that complete, um, uh, expl- expl- the explanatory sequence uh, like you might expect, you know, and I, and I wouldn't have been surprised if that had happened. Um, I'm also kind of curious 
what Kamsky tells you if you kill the Chloe, because I didn't. Oh, and I don't we haven't know talked anybody about Chloe. Has. We've got to talk about Chloe, because I actually... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, sorry, I, I was slightly... De- well, it's not deviating as such. It's still Chloe talk, but... Um, Deviant? Like, I, I kind of, of... One of the... So I'm ripping into this quite you know i'm 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 sounding very negative generally and you know whatever um i kind of enjoyed my game uh, this game as such overall one of the things i did uh, like a lot was chloe's kind of interaction at the kind of the title loading mm-hmm. screen thing at the beginning i kind of like that i kind of like the fact that she like talked to you and maybe uh, i'm just kind of it, you know what it reminded me of? Remember Milo? Uh-huh. <laughs> it reminded oh, yes. me of that. I kind of thought, oh, it'd be cool to have a Chloe, <laughs> you know, and have her basically talk about, you know, and maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm really sort of spitballing ideas here, but I thought, <laughs> oh, how cool would it have been if she'd referenced what other games you've got on your hard drive? Like, say, um, what's his name did in Metal Gear Solid that time? Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, it's like, oh, uh, so oh, you were God. playing... Uh, yeah, MGS5 the other day. How did you like that? I thought he was quite good. You know, whatever. And it'd be like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. But it's like... <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but that that's that's uh, just to, to go off on that clone yeah. tangent there. Um, she does make some references. Like she makes references yeah. to things that you've done yeah. within the game. Like yeah, when yeah. I got Luther killed, which was not something that happened in the first playthrough um but i yeah. i messed up the part where the police come to the door uh i didn't close a curtain or something and and yeah. luther was killed and you know i was i was uh returning to you know the title screen and yeah. she said something about how sad she was that that luther had been killed and you know she she yeah. still supported my decisions but blah 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 or she'll make things like you know oh it's uh if i played on you know a friday she'd say oh you're starting your weekend off with detroit huh and then you yeah. know and and then of course there's the bit at the very end where she asks if you'll let her go um and i i don't know this is apocryphal um but i think that it's real um apparently people complained about that because i guess there's no way to bring her back if you tell her that yes she can go like you can't bring her back like that's that's kind of the point guys like it's it's not like they're being super subtle about it he made the tile screen really boring after that 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 is true yes i will say that that it does make it a little bit boring uh, like I did find that I did like that stuff. I did, uh, and I feel mm. that there was enough. You know, there's a lot of little takeaways from the game overall. Yes. But I mean, the Chloe stuff. So when it came to this point where you're in, um, what's his name's mansion, Kansky. and you, he basically says shooter, and you can have you have a choice. And mm. I guess this is where Connor sort of either breaks or or stands by his programming where you basically have a gun to her head and she gets, she, you know, she's on her knees and you basically shoot her in the head if you, or not as the case. I couldn't do it because I, no. I, I didn't know what would happen to my Chloe in the game. If I reloaded the <laughs> game, would she have a dirty big bullet hole in the side of her head? And then you're permanently reminded every time you load the game that you shot her. <laughs> but, um, you know, well, the deal that he tries up. to make with you at that point is yeah. he will tell you everything that you want to know, yeah. but you have to do this. So and did, he, he even, did any he of even us shoot calls her? it the Kamsky test, which right. of course he does. Like, shut up. <laughs> that guy was such a jerk. I mean, you're, he's supposed to be. He is supposed to be a giant jerk. But Yeah, yeah. Well, they got yeah. that right anyway. He, he, he nailed yeah. it. Yep. Well, I, to be honest, it, he reminded me a lot of the um, the the 
Silicon Valley bro in Watch Dogs 2 if either of you have played that game and yeah, I think yeah. he was yeah. he was done slightly better in Watch Dogs 2 to be honest <laughs> yeah. um but with Chloe I did shoot her both playthroughs Ooh. um like what happens <laughs> <laughs> I, I messed it like we i slash we messed it up both times because both times we asked about ra9 because that's the yeah. most intriguing question at that point point. Right. and cam mm-hmm. still like, like chastises you for asking that question because apparently it was a, a red herring and i was mm. just like but i want to know who ra9 is and I, the game never answered that question who ra9 is and the, i think the idea is he's ra9 is everywhere it's like god he's not a thing he's not a person he is just out there and it's just like Okay, I thought that there but... was a way that you could, I, and and it might have been connected to the journal that you find in uh, in one of the murder scenes that's like encrypted. You find it behind yeah. a poster on a wall. Uh, I thought that there was a way that you could connect RA nine through that. I didn't get it this playthrough, um, and I might be I might be mistaken there. But um, I mean, surely it's surely it's in there somewhere, right? I, well, I my the second playthrough we found Jericho through uh, decrypting the the diary but that's all we did it was just a way to find jericho it didn't reveal who Mm. ra9 was or anything like that Hmm. see i yeah i I had this um, uh, certainly initially i was thinking that he was responsible for whatever it is that's creating the deviance and i felt like it was because at the time i mean by the time we got around to playing this game we'd, we'd had westworld and with westworld you've got anthony hopkins character who is basically setting free the hosts by allowing you know by creating the sort of the the conditions in which they would start to sort of break free of their chains so to speak and i feel that it was like um it it felt like he was heading down that path but then it didn't really go anywhere so you just think again it's that whole feeling i'm always left with 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 quantum dream games which is they crib from a lot of resources they'll always cite uh, going like in interviews, he'll cite some lofty kind of hard, you know, obscure sci-fi book as his core influence. But then you're looking, and there's like references to Ex Machina and the game, and Westworld, and iRobot, and all that kind of stuff. And you just feel like, no, nah, I'm not so sure that is where you get all your influences from. <laughs> it always feels like he sits on Netflix for a week and then comes up with these ideas. But, <laughs> um, but I'm being a dick, so. <laughs> I want to talk briefly about um, kind of some of the endings that you can get uh, just in general, not maybe not specific because there are a lot of them, um, but kind of the, the general places in which you end up. Um, and I'm going to read a piece of correspondence from Caliburn M on the forum who says, uh, what was really amazing about this game was the choices you made and the differences it would make uh, to your playthrough. Choices you made actually seem to make a difference in this game, leading you to one of its 40 endings from very differing routes. The graphics are amazing and the sound and voice acting are generally excellent. And for the first time in a Quantic Dream game, I actually cared about the characters, as this time they didn't feel like idiots who should have been locked up for their own safety. Uh, and then Mechner, from the, also from the forum, says, Speaking of Kara, I, un- I accidentally had the character killed right at the start of the <laughs> game. And this being a David Cage game, that became permanent. So I ended up playing through the whole game with Marcus and Connor. I do wonder how much I altered my story, and I've often not replayed David Cage games except Omicron, but this does give me a reason to go back now and play it again. Uh, yeah, I briefly mentioned this, but I got Kara killed. It was towards the end of the game in my first playthrough. Uh, it was when you were escaping from the freighter. I tried to run and got yeah. shot, um, and then I did not make the correct choices to uh, get them to take me, I guess, to the uh, to the camp. So she just died. Uh, so I, I got most of the story, uh, but I, I did not get all of it. 
Um, I don't, I, I don't know, uh, how long you would have to go before Marcus can die, but I would guess probably somewhere, uh, close to after, and you might be able to die in the scrapyard. Um, I'm not sure about that, but, um, it seems like he would hold on the longer and then Connor who actively comes back would probably be the last one to go if you were trying to get your characters killed. Um, but it sounded like you guys, uh, didn't really lose anyone. Is that, is that accurate? No, I lost Marcus and I lost Alice. Oh, really? Oh, um, but Alice died you, you right can, at the end on lost, the boat. You lost yeah. Alice, but not Kara, or or no, Kara survived. Kara. Yeah, so oh, wow. huh. you get to the point on my playthrough, you use the river to get across to Canada, <laughs> um, huh. and you get so it basically on the boat there was Luther, Kara, and Alice, and um, Luther gets shot by the police in the gunboat um and Kara and Alice jump overboard to swim to shore and by the time you get to shore Alice is drowned or she's basically unresponsive and dead um for all account then then you just leave her body and Kara sort of wanders off crying uh, and then I think some headlights turn up and um yeah then you sort of like you feel like that she's saved but that was it um uh, Marcus got shot in one of the protests where you basically sacrifice, you kind of sacrifice yourself. Mm. Um, I, I, for the life of me, I can't remember what happened to Connor. I've screwed it up because I've been watching all these different videos of all the different um, endings of what how things can play out, and I can't remember which my original playthrough was, so I've kind of tainted it with all these variants. How about you, Charlotte? So my, my first playthrough, well, through the playthrough I played on my own, um, mm. Connor and Hank together got just about the best ending that they could. So um, Connor saw the light, so to speak, but never really had anything bad happen to him. I don't think he died once. And him and Hank uh, met up in a post credit scene and had a hug, which was, was very nice to watch. Um, and for all intents and purposes, it seems like they're partners now, which was sort of just warmed my heart. Um, with Marcus, I think it was a mixed bag. I, I don't think he strictly walked the pacifist route but he did enough to be in a relationship sort of with north but didn't always agree with her because i find that with north you can sometimes go against her and then she automatically goes up a couple of levels a a bit further on into the game it's a bit weird like she she stays negative for a while and then she bounces up a couple Mm -hmm. of notches for some reason um so i managed to tread they just really want you to be in a relationship with her yeah so i I tread that i trod that path pretty well and i seem to remember he got onto the podium so he he survived the shootout but i think there was a shootout of sorts um and then with Kara, she got shot uh fleeing from the boat so that story ended pretty badly and pretty prematurely um my, my Watching it and sort of interacting with it a little bit the second time round was not all that dissimilar, except for Kara got to the the camp and she uh, managed to escape. So, um, but I'd, at, before I'd seen the the version of the camp where you don't do the actions properly and you end up um, unconscious on a scrap heap, n- not um, well dead, so to speak, and you you can't really. Uh, meet up with Alice again so I was expecting that to happen when I saw that cutscene triggering and then they woke up and hugged and I was like oh this is the good one so yeah yeah that it it seemed like that uh the sequence in in the camp seemed like it would be pretty easy to mess up um 
because it's it's kind of cut up into you have to get to or or maybe oh, I, I don't know this is uh this is one of those things that could have uh could have gone multiple ways i think uh, according to the flow chart but um i got separated from um from alice as kara and had to get back to her uh and the way that i did that was there were other uh the jerry's from the amusement park um helped me find her and one of them sacrificed itself and there was also the option to um you can also uh aside from the jerry's you can also uh, if you meet ralph in uh the abandoned house towards the beginning yeah, ralph is uh kind of a, 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 a as as close as you can get to a mentally damaged android uh he's he's been heavily mistreated uh by by humans and uh kind of cut up and uh just not not doing so great but you meet him later on and he will sacrifice himself for you if you played that right i did not uh end up having to sacrifice him uh and also the uh androids that you let loose from zlatko's house will be there too uh and you can have them distract guards uh i don't think it actually it didn't look like it did anything negative to them they were just drawing attention but uh yeah there's there's a lot of moving parts in that scene that uh kind of come together from things that you have done previously and i i thought that that was pretty cool um i was very nervous that i was going to mess it up but i didn't this time so uh they they got out um uh, luther wasn't there poor luther i i felt really bad about that <laughs> Um, so there is one particular ending where they can be at the border into Canada and uh, it, I think it can be her and Alice or it can be her, Alice and Luther and they're queuing up and uh, basically they get checked if they're androids and they fail and the border guard has to decide then whether they're going to, uh, he's going to turn a blind eye or he's going to um, flag that they're androids and get them killed. And whether whether that happens, what, what happens in that scenario depends on what Marcus has done. And I feel like up to that point, they'd kept the stories quite separate. Mm. And I know they're trying to bring them together, but having your decisions, whether you go violent. So basically, if you're, if you're um, a violent uh, leader of the protest, then the border guard is not um, not uh, supportive. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then he, he gets them killed. I, I'm not sure if it because there is a public opinion meter, but I got the impression yeah. that it's it's entirely based on what the news reports look like. And I think a lot of that's mm. influenced by Marcus's behavior in general. So it's like, I feel like that was such a, it was such a, a harsh thing. And up to that point, the like, idea that they would negatively affect each other just didn't really come up that much. So I, I felt like yeah. if I'd have got that, I would have been quite disappointed, you know? I, I like the idea of that. I think the problem is it was just poorly executed. It was like you're not given a kind of full. I know they, like you said, they've got the the public uh, the public opinion meter, but I feel like if you if you were given some kind of subtle indication that you know each other's actions can um, influence decisions and, and situations that the others might encounter, that's kind of interesting. I I like the idea of this within a, a gameplay scenario i think this is this could get quite interesting because you're not only deciding for the characters that you're playing but then the wider implications of decisions that you make as well which is kind of cool unfortunately it's poorly executed but i feel like that could have been a real positive in terms of how you play stuff and, and giving you that kind of sense of you know wider repercussions and stuff i think what I what I I didn't know that that was a, a thing that happened, but um, hearing about it, I think that the what kind of bothers me about it is that Kara's 
Kara's storyline in particular seems pretty separate from the other two. Uh, yeah. The other two are separate up until a point, and then they have interactions which make sense. You know, uh, Connor yeah. uh, basically tips off the uh, the feds to where Jericho is, if you figure mm. it out correctly. And, you know, I, I, I do know that one of the endings is uh, if you fail to resist uh, the the kind of hacking attempt that um that is made in the garden where you would normally meet amanda if you don't Mm. get out of there then you shoot marcus like you you just straight up shoot him uh as connor um so i and i mean that makes sense because they are interacting they're you know they're doing all all of the um all of the the same uh goals and 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 things towards the end um but with kara you really only kind of have chance meetings i don't know if she ever actually meets connor yeah, oh wait she does she does, uh, she does in the beginning yeah. doesn't she yeah well there's a scene uh in the house that you meet ralph in as well there's a scene there that you can encounter each other yeah yeah um but but it's it's pretty tangential like mm. you have that bit in the beginning or or you know not towards the beginning with with the house and with ralph um and then you have you know you basically kind of yeah. see each other across a crowded freighter uh in in Jericho and that's kind of it. I mean and with Marcus, you know, she asks him for help, but then after she leaves, it, it's not really there's not really a whole lot of direct connection after that. Mm. So, I I liked what they did with intertwining the stories of Connor and Marcus at the end, but I I wish that it had it had involved Kara a little bit more. Uh, it would have been nice to have kind of everything just come together instead of just the two or more of the two than uh, than the other. Uh, so we talked, we've talked about the gameplay, um, but something I want to touch on is uh, the interactive part of this interactive fiction, um, which is mainly in the form of uh, dialogue choices and uh, kind of motions or QTEs that you do in order to interact with your environment. Um, Jay, I think it was you that mentioned earlier that it felt like they've really kind of refined these QTEs. This is not yeah. Resident Evil 4. This is not, you know, it it, yeah. it didn't... I had it set to easy. Uh, and it yeah, seems so like... Yeah, it seems like the main difference there uh, is that when you get into some of the more fast-paced uh QT events, uh, and especially I'm thinking of towards the end of the game here, it seems like it just breaks it down to the um, the circle and the X button. Like you're, mm. you're, it, it reduces your choices so that you don't have to pay as much attention to what you're hitting. I don't know if there are more in higher difficulties, more prompts, um, but I, I believe that there are more button choices. And, and in some of the slower things, uh, some of the slower sections uh, where you're not having uh, quite as short a timer on your reactions uh then some more stuff gets involved but it's yeah. it is a bit easier to uh it, for instance in some of the fights um where you there are a lot of presses uh here and there and you you're never quite sure where they're going to be on the screen um but i i also liked that they um rather than just kind of having one spot uh for uh, the button presses like like in a god of war or something like that uh where it would just be right on the front of the screen it's kind of where it moves with the yeah. action yeah. so you're kind of already looking in that direction and it, it felt like it fit to me when you're under stress or whatever they're sort of 
they're sort of shaking about on screen mm-hmm. and stuff and and like it's all visual but i liked how it was implemented and you know i think it's got a very clean ui on that stuff like with the button prompts a very clean sort of design to the the, the sort of indicators and stuff which i, I appreciate mm-hmm. but yeah i liked using things like the touchpad yeah very early on in Kara's story todd tells you to clean the apartment or the house and you're, you're doing the washing up which is basically wiping plates but using the touchpad and it, it's kind of silly things but I, I like that level of interaction like replicating the movement across the plates with the sponge by just sort of like rubbing your fingers across the touchpad and stuff like that uh, it just yeah it's just silly things like that but I, I kind of like the way they were implemented a lot of the time yeah a lot more um like right stick movement uh mm. too uh kind of making not full shapes usually but like doing yeah. kind of quarter circles or mm. just pointing to things i, I it was I, as you say it was it was kind of a small thing but it it felt like it fit better than just go over here hit x on the dishes you know yeah. it, it it i i thought that that was a nice little touch um that that kind of made things feel a little like they flowed a little bit better uh to me uh, and I'm I'm kind of building off of that. Uh, I'm I'm curious what you guys think of the dialogue choices, um, because there are a lot of them in this game, and uh, there are a lot that uh, you can unlock by some of the actions that you do or things that you say in other places. Uh, but it's never a full sentence that you see. Yeah. You just kind of see a prompt like um, that that will tell you a bit about how you're going to react yeah it'd be um, things like vague direct yeah. blunt or whatever you know it's like and i've 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 played some <laughs> what i kept thinking of here was la noir um where uh, doubt is basically yeah. screaming at somebody <laughs> there i didn't think that it fit very well at all uh here yeah. i actually can't think of a spot where i was really disappointed by the response that i got by choosing something from that dialogue uh yeah. tree or list or whatever so i'm curious if if you guys had the same um reactions to that uh charlotte um yeah i didn't feel like there was there was maybe a handful of cases where i pressed something and i was like oh really that's how that that's what that meant um maybe on occasion but nothing that really stands out hmm. i think more Again, it just ties back into the storytelling. There were some options that were surprised were options at all. Like there's options for Connor to be quite sarcastic. And mm. I'd have to think, well, how can robots... I keep saying robots. That shows off my opinion of these androids and my view <laughs> of the whole thing. Um, I keep thinking, oh, how can an android be sarcastic? And then I have to tell myself it's probably his program if, if he's going to be like, you know, acting like a hard-boiled detective. But, you know, there's stuff like that that was a bit uncomfortable. I was like, well, why why is this android acting this way? This doesn't make any sense. But whether the actual inputs fitted with what <laughs> I was seeing on screen, I think for the vast majority of the time, it was it was perfectly fine. Yeah, no, I'm kind of the same with Charlotte on this. It's like there was odd moments where I feel the single word to describe how you're going to respond wasn't enough for me to get a clear indication on on how the conversation was really going to flow mm-hmm. um for, but for the I'd say for about 90 maybe 95% of that stuff it wasn't a problem um yeah. I just felt that, that there was odd times where it, it it didn't go the way that I wanted it to so mm-hmm. uh this is it it's kind of a dialogue it, 
kind of a dialogue choice, but more mm. of like an investigation thing. Um, one of my favorite moments um, is uh, when uh, you go down to the evidence locker and you have to guess Hank's password. Uh, and if yeah. you hadn't interacted with Hank very much, then mm. you know you might have trouble with this. But if you've if you've gone down a lot of his dialogue trees, if you've talked to him, if you've you know seen this thing, one of the options is password and of course that's it and i i got that i picked that one first try and connor just goes of course so yeah i i thought that that is that was one of those little moments that i i genuinely enjoyed yeah i mean uh, this there is stuff like that like because there's a lot of that kind of stuff that when you're in the police station in particular if you're like going on his computer and going through his sort of like you know the the cases and stuff like that you can find a lot of like I guess just filler detail that's going on about some of the other characters that you might encounter through the story and so on. And then all that kind of stuff. Uh, I liked all that. Like it, it added interest to the gameplay in a way that previous or quantic dream games hadn't done before. I, I will say that I, I enjoyed the approach that they took here um with regard to some of those things uh like you're saying that um you know you you would pick up or mm. that would affect other characters um rather than taking the telltale approach of you know this character will remember that you know oh, yeah. the, the literal you know ding they still do kind of do that but it's much more subtle like you mm. see a little graphic of a lock un unlocking you know yeah, yeah. um or you see the uh, you do sometimes see uh in the corner uh we mentioned before the uh the kind of relationship meters most of that stuff is kind of relegated to your sp- your i keep wanting to call it a spreadsheet your flow chart at yeah. the end of each chapter um i i didn't feel that it really um uh impeded the gameplay as much as it had a tendency to kind of not necessarily get in the way but it was way more prominent i felt yeah. in uh, in stuff like the telltale games um, I, still I preferred this approach. Would, I kind of still feel like I I could do without all that stuff. I could do without it to know whether somebody was like, you know, good or bad. I wonder if there's a way to actually turn that off. I, I know I, there is yeah, in most of the Telltale games, um, but there there might be in this one too. I never actually checked. All right, so um, we've we've read a couple of pieces of correspondence from the forum uh, already, but I have a few more here that I want to uh, want to share. Uh, again, that is canarins.com/forum. We do keep uh, um, uh, threads up for the upcoming shows, so you can leave us your thoughts, and uh, some of those we do like to include in the show. Uh, so this first piece of correspondence is from Angry Kurt, who says, I should preface this by saying that I only did one playthrough, so mine have just had a bad run, but from my playthrough, I really didn't like this game. I just thought it was a bit boring. The only playable character story I thought was slightly interesting was Connor's, due to his interesting relationship with Hank. Kara and Marcus, though, I thought were really boring and monotonous, with lots of lengthy sections where not a lot happens. My abiding memory of the game was the bit where you play as Marcus and have to scan the environment looking for graffiti in and around a train station. It was one of the worst parts of a game I've played this gen as it went on far too long and just wasn't fun at all. Uh, Mark Hogue says, Now, with Detroit Become Human, the third time turned out to be the charm. It's a well-crafted, visually engaging game with some truly intense set pieces. While still often as subtle as a jackhammer to the face, Cage lets you explore familiar ethics concerning android life and manages to respectfully draw parallels with modern history, even if he doesn't acknowledge it. That part was mine. He even managed to genuinely move me at times. For instance, when cliched, alcoholic, abusive father Todd was introduced, my first thought was, ah, here we go again. 
But as his story progressed and eventually concluded with some form of redemption, I was actually impressed with the writing. David Cage first, really. I also thoroughly enjoyed the buddy cop shtick with Connor and Hank Anderson. I really wanted to earn that guy's respect, no matter how bad his hairdo. Detroit Become Human is Cage's most branching game to date, and the option to review potential routes and outcomes feels a bit like showing off. It's a look behind the curtain that I could have done without, but of course I could always opt to simply not look at it after a certain event. In the end, I miraculously managed to unlock the Survivor's Trophy on my first playthrough, so I might return for a darker approach to explore some other branches of the story. However, like with Mass Effect, my penchant for goodness will probably prevent me from going full Renegade this second time round. Yeah, I had that problem too. <laughs> just, I can't do it. I just, I don't want to be a jerk. Except to real people, that's different. Uh, the Baboon yeah, Baron. They deserve oh, it more. Most of the time, yes. I totally agree. <laughs> Um, and winding up with a piece from the Baboon Baron, who says, I have a soft spot for Quantic Dream software. I think it's because they managed to scratch the adventure gaming itch whilst also pushing forward gaming as a storytelling method. For better and for worse, I always find their games worthy of my time, even if I come away with a sack load of criticisms. But before we open the aforementioned sack, some good bits. What a stunning game to look at. It ran well on my baseline PS4 and had several scenes that I enjoyed wandering around just to soak up the marvel of what Quantic had created. A genuinely beautiful creation to, to behold and a new totem for graphics in my view. The performances were up to scratch with some interesting actors chosen. Reminiscent of Until Dawn, they picked people who could adapt to the medium rather than chasing the Hollywood darlings. I was also happy to see there was more flexibility in the story than I expected. Different paths opening up constantly through seemingly small decisions. Clues, hints, and red herrings were all placed in your path. I'm always pleasantly surprised when a game avoids the old telltale bait-and-switch and actually allows you to alter the story in a significant and often harrowing fashion. But there are issues with this game, and sadly, they're the same issues I always have with Quantic Dream software. The writing often falls flat to me. I want to care for the characters, but it seems that David Emotions Cage's way of making me <laughs> care is to inform me that I should care rather than give the emotional weight subtly. There's very little show-don't-tell in his games, and they could really do more, do with more. Also, the inconsistencies got to me in this one. So, spoiler alert for my playthrough, characters died. But as we learned in scenes earlier, you can rebuild the robots quite easily. Doesn't this render the concern moot? The rules of the universe were established early on, but then thrown out if it didn't fit the narrative. Some robots were superhuman bullet-sponge parkour ninjas, others gibbering cowards. Some could spot another robot, others were oblivious, some were able to suffer the cold, others folded near instantly. I found myself with a feeling that Detroit wasn't playing fair by its own rules. Though, a uh, lot, uh, lot of what we've considered uh, as well in, in that review. So, uh, thank you to our forum correspondents. We also, generally on the day of recording, put out the call for reviewing our game in uh, just three words. That's at Kane and Rince. On Twitter. All right. First, we have the Baboon Baron with USB emotional connection. Um, we have Alex seventy nine UK and Rich Spurs twenty four who both said Cage is best yet. Mechner says bring back Omicron. Caliburn M, dream of sheep. Mark Hoogland says Cage became decent. Uh, Fernando Antunes not so subtle. Nick Moon 93 says, praise Android Jesus. Control-Alt-Noob says, always protect Hank. Zamoniac, just remove light. And Danny Spiteri says, beautifully realized storytelling. All right. Um, so uh, 
thank you to all of our correspondents, both uh, from the forum and from Twitter. Uh, remember, you can do the same if you go to canamrinse.com slash forum or just send us a, uh, a three-word review on the day of recording at Canem Rinse. So to summarize our thoughts, um, I'm going to start with Charlotte. Did you become human? So as I said at the beginning, <laughs> like I... <sighs> That's oh, a sigh. Uh, <laughs> we've, we've had a lot of those, yeah. It's, I, this is I one just, of those kinds of podcasts. It's so difficult to summarize what I think about this game because yeah. it's, like I said, I've played it or watched somebody and been heavily involved in somebody playing yeah. through this game twice. And both times I've come out of it actually finding it quite fun. But at the same yeah. time, when I let a bit of time pass and a bit of my thoughts sort of percolate, I dislike the game more and more the more I think about it. And I think ultimately I would say that it's definitely worth a play, but sometimes you might be playing it just to sort of observe what David Cage is doing with the material and to sort of, you know, you see that the problem that I have with Detroit and I, in many ways, I actually preferred Beyond because I felt like Beyond did have a bit more of a purity in like what David Cage actually wanted to achieve. And even if he was kind of terrible at doing it, Whereas Detroit just felt a bit lukewarm and a bit, you know, it didn't really have a lot to say about the topic of androids. Like, personally, I would have loved a story about somebody who you, like a core character, like an adult character, you think is human the whole time. And then there's a reveal that they're an android or vice versa and that they are integrated into a family and just having a grand old time. And then suddenly they realize they're not who they thought they were. I thought that would have Mm. been a really interesting story. And I felt like... David Cage just told the same story three times and it didn't have a, a great deal of impact in me uh, on me by the end. So I would recommend playing it, but just don't think it's going to blow your mind because at the end of the day, the, the enduring problem with Quantic Dream games is that they think they're doing something really special by having this sort of tactile approach to game playing. And don't get me wrong, it's the best impl- uh, implementation of that that we've seen yet. It's a lot less clumsy than Beyond for example, but that's not enough. The story has to be good. There are plenty of games out there that don't have this tactile function for storytelling, but yet tell a much more compelling story. And therefore we would talk in much more glowing terms about those games. So I feel like uh, Quantic Dream games still suffer behind their main gimmick a lot, which is this tactile thing. And it, it just took just to sort of uh, bring my points for close. It reminds me a lot of the film Birdman, which um, is a film which is filmed uh, as if it's entirely in one take. And everybody talks about Birdman because of this being filmed in one take. And that's all really the, the film has going for it. And Quantic Dream games often feel the same. And I feel like they try to break out of that mold with Detroit and have a compelling story. And sometimes it works, but a lot of the time it really doesn't but it's entertaining enough i'd recommend giving it a playthrough and just seeing how you go with it especially since it's on ps plus all right thank you charlotte jay i did enjoy playing this i can't you know i've got huge issues with cage i've got huge issues with the the previous games they've made i've but with this one i can't help it if i enjoy playing it i think there's a lot of I like these kind of, I mean, I have a soft spot for this kind of story anyway, the whole kind, I like sci-fi. I like the idea of like robot storylines that develop with robots gaining sentience. Since we got this on PS Plus anyway, I mean, a lot of people 
you know, you've got a copy. If you've got PS Plus, you've got a. I assume you've got a copy of it. I feel it's worth the however many hours it takes. It's a relatively short game. I mean, what was what was our average sort of playtime? Because I, I, I have a feeling it was hours, less than maybe. twelve for my initial yeah. playthrough. So it's not like a particularly long game either. I played it over like a week, and just uh, yeah, burnt through it. But it's if you can if you can take that kind of heavy handed total lack of subtlety and oh, I don't know where I'm going with this really. It's okay. But, you don't. You don't have to be apologetic about liking the or about enjoying the game. I'm not even going to say like. No, I'm not. Listen, I'm never going to apologize <laughs> for enjoying something. If I enjoy, yeah, it, I don't well, care if fair. everybody else thinks it's crap. I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll, that's all I need to take away from it. And I feel like with a lot of people, they, you know, I, I feel if you if you're on the fence about this, the best approach would be just to play it. At least start playing it. See what it does. Um, see yeah. if it sucks you in. If if not, turn it off. Delete it from your hard drive. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feign negativity just for the sake of it. I enjoyed the playthrough. It did nothing amazing. It did nothing um, groundbreaking. But I wasn't asking for that. Thank you, Jay. Uh, I put myself last um, here because I think that I probably enjoyed this game more the most out of the the panel here uh which is not to say that i did not have problems with it i uh i think i've i've mentioned most of uh the uh the issues that i had um i do not think by any means this is a perfect game um but i do think that it was fun um i enjoyed it i i thought that the uh the way that it was constructed uh gameplay wise worked really well for me i i liked the ha- kind of how the uh, the QTE stuff and uh, just kind of the motion it's it's not quite right to call them motion controls but the motions that you make in order to control the characters um it's just too wordy so the the um the the motions that you make with the sticks um and how everything kind of just felt like it flowed together um the the heavy hand and this is a problem um that that was probably my biggest problem is you know the extremely obvious parallels that this game is drawing to uh, you know things like racism and um and and just you know segregation and discrimination in general these are really powerful topics and if they are treated correctly i'm not saying by any means that it's something that games should shy away from or that even a game even this particular game uh, it it didn't need to steer clear of these topics and i don't even think that it handles them especially disrespectfully it's just that some of the writing is a little tone deaf um and and doesn't quite go to the extent that i i think that it should in order to have a full effect and to you know just just make people really think about those parallels as opposed to just saying oh hey androids have to go to camps that sucks Uh, yeah yeah it does um and here's why that's important you know uh we we aren't currently living with androids everywhere in our day-to-day lives um but we are living with you know real people who could um could maybe benefit from uh, other people taking some lessons from um maybe not this script exactly but these types of situations um if you 
I, I, I don't want to go too much further because I, I feel like this is a humongous topic and I don't want to do it a disservice. But uh, what I will say is uh, that I do think Detroit is worth a playthrough if you have access to it or can get access to it uh, without spending too much money. I think that honestly, I bought this game at full price, which that was probably a mistake. But uh, I have it now and <laughs> I've played it through twice and I do enjoy it. Um, the characters are... Um, a little uneven in points, but uh, Clancy Brown is is great, and um, he is a fantastic detective in this. So, um, yeah, even if it's just for uh, for Connor and Hank, I think I think it's worth your uh, ten to twelve hours or whatever. Um, I, you you could spend probably quite a lot more on it if you wanted to, uh, time wise. Uh, so yeah, I I think that's um, that's a, a pretty decent summary of where I stand. Um, so it then remains for me leah to thank charlotte and jay uh, who is also editing this one um so any swears are your own fault uh and of course all of our correspondents and you for listening uh next time in issue 420 we will be covering the gradius series